Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. One of the areas where the government is starting to leverage the power of public-private partnerships is challenges and prizes. And there are a lot of organizations that are trying that, kind of dipping their toes in the water in the government. Is that fair to say? Dipping the toe, I think, uh, understates it. There have been hundreds of challenges since prizes and challenges were authorized in the America Competes Reauthorization Act. But it gets at the government trying desperately to innovate. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult time getting out of its own way. So this is one method that's been used to try and really find fresh, new, innovative ways of getting the government's mission accomplished. One of the experts in this field is Jason Morgan. He is the chief executive officer of Common Pool. Jason, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us today. What does that mean? What what does Common Pool do, and how does that contribute to the ability of organizations to participate in all of this? Sure. So thank you for asking. You know, we run challenge competitions, prizes, fellowship programs, any offering that really requires kind of an assessment or an evaluation of a group of proposals or people in order for them to receive a grant or some other compensation uh, for what they're proposing. And so if you think about that as defining the landscape, there's a lot of things that fit inside of it. Um, you, You may have noticed that in the previous administration, we had things like race to the top, right, which decided to take on this tone of a more open, competitive environment for federal resources. Now, those were great because they were using kind of more typical procurement vehicles. But then in January of 2011, an act was signed, which is the America Competes Reauthorization Act, which allowed all the agencies to host what we call prizes or challenge competitions. And now it's caught on and we're seeing a lot of activity. I will say prior to that act, Uh, There was special dispensation for NASA and the Department of Defense. So the government has been doing this for a very long time here in the United States. Uh, But it's really started to change as we've applied new software and new services to make sure that these opportunities are available to a wider audience and we're able to bring in new talent and new technology to solve problems. Prizes and challenges themselves have been going on outside government for a very long time. Give us uh, the description of some of prizes or challenges that our audience might have heard of or big cha- big challenges that have been solved through prizes and challenges? Well, sure. Historically, it dates back to the middle 1500s. Um, I set up a lab with a woman named Dr. Erica Wagner in 2007 at MIT, and we began to study how these competitions work and really the historic precedent for having competitions to solve big problems. And what we know is that early on, government and industry uh, would often require that there would be trade guilds and labor unions that would own the intellectual property to either build a church or a ship, whatever that might be. But occasionally they would bump up against the limits of what those closed networks could accomplish. And so they would, in an act of kind of great need, they would have these prizes. They would say, we're going to offer 25,000 ducats for the first person who does X. And it wouldn't matter who you were or who you knew. If you could solve the problem, you would win fame and fortune. And so we solved a lot of problems over about a three, four hundred year time horizon. Things like um, determining longitude on the high seas, 
um, Napoleon was tramping across Eastern Europe, and he said, i got to find a way to preserve food. So he threw up a prize, and the technology that emerged from that is the same one we use today to um, preserve food. So we have this kind of history of using open competition in order to solve big problems. And then as the Internet started to come online and we knew that we could reach a broader range of people at a lower cost, we started to develop new software and new systems and a new understanding of how to build more open, transparent, fair competition. You mentioned cost, and a lot of agencies that have explored prizes and challenges have used that as the major argument in favor of continuing to use them and to use them more. Is that looking at this the right way, or are there other maybe greater benefits than just the potential for cost savings? So we are learning a lot. Let let me give you an example of this. This isn't one of our government clients, but one of the big prizes we run is for the MacArthur Foundation. That program is called 100 and Change, and we were offering a single $100 million grant. It's the largest prize ever provided. Uh, We designed, built, and managed that for the MacArthur Foundation. And what we found is not only were we able to reveal all of the great content that came through that program to the public, but once we had made that initial investment of $100 million, we put up a search engine that allowed anyone to go to the website, 100andchange.org, and see all the great ideas that had come through that process. As a result, over $250 million has been invested in those ideas from third-party interests who are willing to attribute those decisions to the use of that engine. So, you know, we've got a lot of leverage, and I think what we found, which is really important, is that if you're going to go through all the rigor and the diligence to conduct a fair process, a lot of times the data and the assessment that comes out of that creates a lot of value for people that don't win, but who have a great idea and who will go on to implement that idea either on their own or with someone else in order to solve the same problem. One of the benefits, I got to think, is the almost guaranteed results you're going to get from this. The, the only winner is someone who has accomplished what was sought by the government. Mm-hmm. In contracting or grant making uh, or loan making, government doesn't always get a measurable result out of its investment. Here, you're almost guaranteed a result. Isn't that right, Jason? Yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of this is paid for performance. And so if you think about some prizes, which are designed only to reward after something has been demonstrated, you're guaranteed that. If you're thinking of rewarding prizes where you have a business plan or a proposal that then gets funded, say, with a grant, there again, we're also just rewarding those things that have gone through a very diligent process and that are fitted or ready, suited for implementation, much more so than some of the raw ideas we come through that come through similar models. What makes a good challenge? What does an organization who wants to run one do to make sure that they're going to get a sufficient number of responses to be more likely to get something they're going to be able to use? Well, there's two ways to look at that. One is getting a a large volume of submissions, which kind of activates the cause or the issue that you're trying to support. The other is getting kind of the right proposals to solve that problem. So some of these are more geared towards a broader, wider audience, and some of them go very narrow and deep. Um, I would say that across the board, what you're really looking to do when you design these programs is to be more open, more transparent, and more fair. So there was a study published by the Harvard Business School by a gentleman named Kareem Lakani and his colleagues, and he started to ask the question, who are winning these big competitions? Like, what's the profile of a winner? And so he asked people that were signing up for these highly technical challenges to identify their area of expertise 
and how far it was removed from the question that was being asked. Now, this is really important. This was a groundbreaking study because when we put up big questions like how to solve, come up with a new chemical compound, right, to cure a disease, um, what we noticed is that some of these bigger, hairier problems were not getting solved by chemists and biologists and drug pathologists. They were getting solved by people that were studying predictive analytics or fractal algorithms or crystallography. So if you think of that as a goal, how do we bring in new talent from disparate orthogonal domains? The only way you can really accomplish that, Francis, is if you're more open and transparent and fair. Those people that are going to stop what they're doing, where they're currently focused, and turn their attention to a problem set have to know that the game isn't rigged against them. They have to know that they can come in and they can be playing on a level playing field. And so to do that, we really have to reveal all the implied costs to participate right up front. Everybody's got to know what you got to do to apply, how you're going to be scored. If it's subjective, who's going to score you, how those scores are going to be calculated. At Common Pool, we even describe our normalization algorithm to make sure that any distributed judging process is mathematically fair. You have to go through a lot of exercise to make sure that you're truly embracing accountability and fairness in order to attract all that new talent. You described leveraging the internet, new software. Talk about what an agency is going to need to do to launch and manage a challenge. Sure. Um, Increasingly, this conversation is starting to focus on the tools, right? Not just the strategy, but the tools. I think that the federal government has really started to embrace the strategy of more open innovation. But the tools like the software systems and the platform that we build, the way in which we design and build websites to market these programs, this has become really important. So even the semantics about how you fill out an application and who gets to judge that and the rubrics that are used to score those applications, that's becoming more and more specialized. So the government is relying on third-party providers like Common Pool in order to come in and to show them that we have the systems and the know-how to build these. I mean, Robert, at the end of the day, it's kind of like designing a scientific trial only in a, for a more retail audience. So it's becoming more and more specialized. The legal issues are more and more specialized. And so the service providers are becoming more and more specialized. Are you concerned that in the area of challenges and prizes, the government will do what the government's really good at, which is every organization, every agency deciding, we're going to have this office that handles these, and everybody's structure and requirements and policy and process is different just a little bit than everybody else's. Is that potentially a hindrance to the more wide-scale adoption of challenges and prizes? Well, we've seen some of that already. I think the good news, Francis, is that we're tracking it closely. So the America Competes Reauthorization Act, which passed in January of 2011, requires that the federal government produce a report every year that itemizes, that indexes all the prizes and challenges that fall under that act or that have are, are launched in the same spirit of that act. And so you can go and you can see what all the agencies are doing. It's true that in some of the larger agencies you have offices or, or innovation labs, open innovation teams that are starting to play around with these. Uh, We've seen a little bit of a lull in the last few years in the use of these, but it's still heavily embraced by NASA, Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security. Um, We have contracts with all of those players. Um, Just for fun, let me tell you a little bit about one we're doing. Uh, NASA came to us and they said, for the Mars landing mission, we want to figure out a way to turn astronaut breath into glucose so that when we land on Mars, 
We can take the resources we bring there and we can sustain life. Now, think about that for a second. If I can turn human breath into sugar, what does that mean for science? And what does that mean for technology? Now you can imagine the many different applications that may emerge from that. So we're still happy to see that some of the more uh, forward-leaning agencies are still doing very forward-leaning work within the federal government. And, uh, and we just want to keep showing that this model works and that the approach is very efficient. All right, one last question. What's the wildest challenge you've been involved with? Well, I got to tell you, like, you know, astronaut breath into sugar or candy is pretty <laughs> darn cool. Do you but, want but, that? But, but you know, we're, we do stuff that's highly technical. And you can just imagine how hard it would be to build a framework that would fairly compare all those technologies that would come out of that price. We know that work. We do that cold. Surprisingly, and maybe counterintuitively, some of the hardest programs we run are in the social sciences. So we had to do one here in Los Angeles County in order to address homelessness. Now, um, one of the things about these kind of social services is that it's very hard to measure and it's very hard to predict which intervention is going to be greater than the other. And so while it's actually harder for us up front to figure out the chemical pathway from carbon dioxide to glucose, in the long run, that's actually a little bit easier for us in terms of how we build and manage and support that program. When you're talking about intervening around homelessness at scale, Sometimes those are actually quite harder, and they take longer uh, to do. Jason Morgan of Common Pool. Uh, this is a great topic, and it's something that I, you mentioned the lull a few moments ago, and I would expect, given where we are going budget-wise and the way the administration is pushing things, we'll see a lot more challenges and, and prizes offered in the coming years. Appreciate you coming on and talking about it with us. Thanks, Francis. Really appreciate your time. Thanks to both of you. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.